Free search for what? Hello and welcome to Research for What, the podcast that discusses scientific research, its purpose and impact. I'm your host, Ron Bouvray. Each week, I will interview recognized thought leaders who share the same passion for science and research and invest the energy, time or money. We will talk about the challenges and opportunities for research. I'm also very keen to find out how experts define impact and what methods they use to measure it. Every week, I will ask the question, research for what? In this episode, I'm very pleased to speak with Anna Gillen. Anna is the Deputy Chair of Tourism Australia and the Australian Consultant to Kurtzner International, a global operator of luxury resorts. More relevant to this podcast is the fact that in 2001, Anna co-founded the Nelun Foundation with her friend Nelun Rajapaksi. Together, they have now raised over $33 million to support patients diagnosed with, with cancer. Their work at the Nelun Foundation supports New South Wales public hospitals and research facilities to provide and improve cancer patient care. Helping patients fight cancer with dignity is a foundation's mission. Anna, welcome and thank you very much for take, talking with me today. Thank you, Ron. Pleased to be here. So your work and generosity through the Nelun Foundation is remarkable. And I would like to start by giving just two examples of what you recently achieved. In 2017, the Nelun Foundation funded the establishment of the Rebecca Wilson Fellowship in Cancer Research in partnership with the Garvin Institute of Medical Research with a commitment of $1 million over five years. Also in 2017, the Nelun Foundation contributed over $6 million to the Nelun Comprehensive Cancer Center. And just last year, the foundation contributed over $0.5 million to establish the Cancer Survivorship Center at the Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney East, which together with the Nelun Comprehensive Cancer Center will be a world-class point of care for patients diagnosed with cancer. And I can I just start with a simple question. Uh, can I ask why you, do you support research and patient care? Um, it was a really good question, Rom. And in fact, it wasn't something that um, I or Naloon, our co-founder of the Naloon Foundation, had actually started off to do. Um, we we started our foundation really to be able to, in a small way, provide practical, uh, real-time support to cancer patients in the New South Wales public hospital system uh, in a way that, you know, providing them either support or financial um, uh, requirements or things that they weren't able to um, be able to do themselves. And this was anything from patient transportation to providing funding for um, um, medical requirements that um, potentially weren't covered by Medicare. This was also providing them support with, you know, psychological services, being able to, to speak to someone professional about their diagnosis and be able to, for their families also, to have some sort of support. And that's literally how we started. And we, we simply started from that very practical sense of we could see that in New South Wales public hospitals, there were those that were on the, the margins of society or potentially those that didn't have either the financial needs or the social support mechanisms to actually really get through their cancer journey in a way that was, you know, respectful and dignified. And we just simply started raising money for that. Um, that came directly from the hospital which uh, my dear friend Nalun was being treated at. Uh, they identified certain needs that they had and we said we, we will try and support and raise money for that. 
So the concept of helping patients directly was was and is our absolute mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's our, our key goal and everything that we do is around how do we actually deliver something that is a direct patient outcome, preferably here and now. Through that, um, you know, through starting as that, we uh, identified that there were a variety of different needs that hospitals had. Some of them were about very direct services and others were more about the future, about what what is uh, what is cancer care in the future? How do we create excellence in cancer care in the public hospital system? So through that, we had a variety of different um, uh, both medical people, oncologists, hospital administrators, essentially talk to us about their needs. And I have to say, we started off being just very small, just just mm-hmm. doing some very small, practical, little fundraising things to donate to the hospitals. Um, we found that because our mission was very much about practical outcomes here and now, things that we could actually uh, give to support patients in their day-to-day fight, uh, we found that that resonated with our with our colleagues, our friends and our supporters. And I had to say the Naloon Foundation has no overheads, uh, we don't have a cost structure, we don't have paid employees. So everything we did was about communicating to our friends, our colleagues, our supporters and our employers about uh, there is a need over here, it's a very practical need, can you help us because we'd like to fund it. That grew over time and what started as a small fundraising uh, initiative became something more significant year on year and more and more people started to support that concept of uh, directly helping patient outcomes. Through that, we did become aware of some of the the deeper needs or the more long-term needs that are associated with patient care in New South Wales public hospitals. And that's where the sort of the research thing started to come up to the fore. Um, But we still very much felt that, that this wasn't really something that we understood very well. Um, you know, we don't come from a medical background. We haven't approached this from any any other sense other than how do we help a cancer patient here today and now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I always feel that that donating to research comes from a place of either true medical understanding mm-hmm. So it's, it comes from people truly understand the, the medical requirement for something and, and, and all the steps that it's going to take in order to get to, to an outcome. Or it comes from a, just a huge sense of philanthropy, like big companies or, or, you know, who have the ability to move a significant amounts of money to try and make a difference in something for the long term. Or it comes from government whereas government identified that the cost to the community is so so high that if there was a way that they could find you know, a different outcome, they, they would fund it. Or, as in our case, it comes from a personal connection and a, a desire to honour someone or to honour 
uh, a principal. And in our case, during our fundraising, we had a, a great um, ambassador and friend to our foundation who sadly, after you know a number of years, lost her battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. And because we'd had such a strong association with St Vincent's Hospital, which obviously has a partnership with the Garvin, Mm-hmm. At that point, we uh, identified that to honour her, mm-hmm. to uh, try and create a legacy for what she had helped us to achieve, that we would um, consider research. And the Garvin actually were able to identify a very uh, a very suitable research project. Um, they had a bright young scientist. Uh, who was looking to return to Australia. They wanted to fund a fellowship for this bright young scientist. Uh, She was looking to uh, research a particular um, uh, sort of a particular thing that was happening within cancer cells. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount that was required was something that we felt we could achieve and raise. And that's how we started down the path of funding research. Everything we'd done prior to that was about funding or creating cancer care excellence within New South Wales public hospitals. And that was around, okay, services, but we were also approached around um, infrastructure. How do we build and how do we develop these centres of excellence? Um, And that in some ways can sometimes be easier to fund because people understand the tangible. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. Uh, see a building or mm-hmm. uh, see a, a van or, or see a, a ward in, in a hospital or, or see nurses wearing badges, and mm-hmm. that's a little bit more tangible. But for us, it was always about we needed to stay very, very clear to the first concept of how do we help patients directly how do we have a a direct patient outcome and how does that fit into um, the work that we're doing and then to fund pure research which is as you mentioned the Rebecca Wilson Fellowship at the Garvin that was around a personal connection about how do we how do we actually honor somebody who's done a a great deal and a great body of work to help other people Mm -hmm. Did you have to change sponsors? How did you have to convince your sponsors to go from patient care, a more immediate impact probably, to a more risky initiative in research? And and I think that the, the concept of is, are, are we looking at something that is, I don't know, 10 years away, 20 yes. years away, 30 yeah. years away, That that's where I think that that role belongs to other people that in my mind that role does belong to governments and big organizations and big institutions the, the role of more immediate i think mm-hmm. i think it is easier to demonstrate uh, in context of our supporters um, they understood what we were doing with this spin and, and and we communicated it mm-hmm. we said that whilst you know we don't typically do this this is an area that is a little bit more shorter term. Uh, the work that Christine Schaefer was doing was not so far in the future that it was 
mm-hmm. unrecognisable. Yes. But it is also to honour our dear friend and colleague who has do- done so much work for you and for our community. I think the other thing that is really important in, you don't necessarily have to convince people, but the ability again to to be able to demonstrate and for people to meet, to have that human connection. So mm-hmm. uh, again, to have a researcher who was, uh, we had the ability to um, invite this researcher to meet our key sponsors and to meet our key supporters for this researcher to be able to communicate in a way that normal people understood what she was doing that it yes. wasn't so the words weren't so complex that you yes. think, oh, I don't even know what she's doing in her in her laboratory and I, I think if you've got that combination mm-hmm. of a, you come from a place of integrity and from honesty and you come from a, a place of reality of what you're trying to do and then you're able to bring into that the human face, mm-hmm. which is either the doctor or the researcher, who is then able to communicate in a, a meaningful and practical way what what she was doing, uh, uh, how, how long she felt it would take, and what it would mean for cancer patients of the future. And that, that was kind of important. The... the the reason we were doing was to leave a personal legacy for uh, a great person who had done a great amount of work for others. Uh, we were able to demonstrate that it was still aligned to our mm-hmm. um, our core values by being a little bit more immediate. And then we were able to show here's the face of what we're doing mm-hmm. and here's the person who's doing it. And here's the ability of this person to communicate with you. And, again, we were very lucky because it, it just aligned well. Um, Dr. Christine Schaefer, again, young scientist, great mind, but a great ability to be to connect at a human level. And if I understand, the endorsement of that research and that researcher came from the Garvin Institute. Correct. Correct. So what we did is um, at the point of, um, you know, of us identifying that we mm-hmm. would like to be able to do something like, like this on this occasion for this reason, we approached the Garvin, mm-hmm. who we had a good relationship mm-hmm. with because of obviously uh, what we had done with the building of the Naloon Cancer Centre, which was part of the Kinhorn Cancer Centre. We were able to talk to them to say, look, we would like to honour um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. our dear friend and the work that she has done mm-hmm. to help so many. Uh, in doing that, this, w- what do you feel would be the appropriate way within what mm-hmm. you're doing? And, and the Garvin were very good because that, they obviously have a, so many different researchers that are That's right. you know, waiting in the winds, if I may That's say right. that. But I think, I think this particular um, researcher was... Uh, waiting in the winds had mm-hmm. been well connected with mm-hmm. the Garvin, I, I believe, because they they knew of her. They already respected her work. Uh, she was Australian, so she was an Australian coming back. Um, and you know, to be fair, she she was very she was almost very similar in the in the mm-hmm. spirit of the person that we were trying to honour as well. Right. So again, it kind of came together. And I, and I have to say, Rom, I mean. We, Naloon and I, do not come from a, a place of understanding research or the depths or, 
you know, or the protocols and everything else. We we come from a very practical perspective of um, how can people help each other, what does that take, how much money does that mean, and how can we help raise the money to make that happen. But I think it's a good point, and I don't think researchers should stay in an ivory tower and not try and come down and and meet people in the middle and 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 come to a. Uh, uh, a mutual understanding of what is needed and what can be provided in return. Oh, and Robin, particularly, I mean, I I would presume you, you have a lot of young researchers or researchers that are young, bright minds. They're the ones That's that right. people want to meet. Yes. Um, you know, we've all been to events and we've all heard the, you know, the eminent professors and the the senior statesmen in our in the medical <laughs> research area, and they speak to us and they, you know, they, and they're, they're very respected. We we all know that. Yes. But if in the in the here and now, what yes. you actually want is who who are the people who are actually doing it? Who who are the young bright minds and what are they doing it and. And for them to share their passion, I mean, to, to see that, to see the passion that they have for what what they're doing. And they're, they're probably less blocked by the hurdles. They're probably more, we can do this. Yes. Um, that resonates so much with people. And even if they're people that wouldn't necessarily give to research, when they see, okay, here's right. this young individual who's on a path and it's not so unachievable what they're looking to do. Um, it's not like we're trying to send, you know, a community to Mars. They're actually just trying to progressively and incrementally get to the next step in a particular outcome. But that's interesting. So how is your relationship with projects or researchers? Does it, it doesn't stop with the identification of a researcher. It doesn't stop when you say, okay, we're going to help you fund your research for the next five years or does it how do you you know continue the relationship with a particular researcher or, or, or team yeah. no, thank you and uh, that's a little bit of a two-way uh, stream obviously right for what we've what we've sort of found through the process is, is that the researchers um and the hospitals and the research centers are all incredibly uh engaging and grateful so th th they actually do make things quite simple for you. It's not it's not as if they put hurdles for you. Now, again, we have no expectations. We weren't seeking to create red tape or, you know, copious reports or anything right. like that. I mean, it, we trusted what was presented to us by, in this case, the Garvin Institute. We, we trusted them. We uh, understood what, in layman's principles, we understood what the research was um, was about, how it was going to be conducted. And then all we really needed was, and, and even then it wasn't just we needed it, but it was good to have that that occasional connection to let us know mm -hmm. how things are going mm -hmm. and that ability for us to, to be able to, if, you know, for our supporters, if we had a particular event or a particular opportunity, for our supporters to be able to meet and mm -hmm. to discuss mm -hmm. uh, with the researcher. It would be the equivalent, for mm -hmm. example, if, if you're a great um, uh, orchestra lover and you go to the Sydney Symphony Orchestra and the Opera House and you, you watch it all being mm -hmm. played and you're watching it from afar and you think that's fantastic. But then the opportunity to actually, after the 
event to go up and to speak to the orchestra, to say how long did you have to practice to do that or, I mean, that's the human connection where um, researchers really do have the opportunity to um, make other people as enthusiastic about their work as they are. So that seems to me quite a mature, you know, relationship that maybe takes some time. And I'm just curious, I wonder whether, you know, some young listeners here are wondering, how do I get the endorsement of a well-recognized medical research institute in Australia? How do I get there? How do I show, how do I share what I want to do? Um, Do you have, would you have any advice for them? That's a hard one because, as I say, I'm I'm sure that, some of those well-recognised institutes have got all sorts of people presenting themselves, um, and I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know how these young, bright researchers mm-hmm. manage to get their way and stay so committed all the way through their studies, all the way through to be, to be presenting their credentials to yeah. the institutes. Um, I, I look, I don't know. I mean, I, I think in life, like anything else. If you really believe in what you're doing, if you're committed to it, if you're passionate about it, and if you just keep at it, uh, it will be recognised. And and for us, it was about, to your point, it's coming from a place, from an institution that is well regarded. Right. I, it's so hard. I mean, I know it's so hard, but I think, you know, that they're in – they go to good universities, if they're committed, if they're passionate, if, if that is their dream, then I would just say to them, don't give up on that because someone will recognise that, recognise the yes. passion. Yes, great. Um, the foundation is now nearly 20 years old. Um, and it's so it's a long last, it's not a one-off, um, you know, support that you're providing. Um do you care about the impact that you have? Do, do your supporters ask you what impact you've had? We, look, do you we follow what people do with all the money? I, we absolutely um, communicate to our supporters where the money goes. Mm-hmm. And each year, as we said about mm-hmm. our fundraising, we also quite clearly say, what are we fundraising for? Um, because because our foundation has no overheads, so our supporters know that if they donate a particular amount, that amount in full is going to go to mm-hmm. the end cause. So mm-hmm. patient outcome for us is the first and the foremost. Are we delivering a good patient outcome? Are we helping patients fight cancer with dignity? And are we doing it in order to benefit those who are within the public hospital system? Because our belief is if you're wealthy, if you have great financial support or social support, there's so many doors that are open for you and everything is possible. Any any mode of treatment, any ability to, to have a service and everything. But if you don't quite have that mm-hmm. and you are more marginalised, um, then you don't have quite so many doors open to you quite so quickly. So for us, it's always about what we do. Will it deliver an outcome to a public hospital mm-hmm. patient? 
Um, will it hopefully deliver a meaningful outcome? So, for example, in the infrastructure space, you know, we've helped establish centres that are world-class in treating mm -hmm. cancer patients. And it doesn't matter whether you're public or private, you're going to this beautiful facility mm -hmm. that is taking care of you and that you feel as if you're getting the best of patient mm -hmm. care. Uh, we, we're supporting initiatives that then help with the, the, you know, the journey beyond just the treatment, so like the survivorship centre. Uh, with the Garvin, we're also supporting their MOST program, which is their molecular screening trial. So taking a bit of the what's happening up in their research mm -hmm. and being able to present it down mm -hmm. to patients, and particularly patients who have rare cancers that mm -hmm. there hasn't been a lot of uh, treatment um, uh, options for, or for cancers that... Um, even though they're more well-known cancers, they've run out of options. The, mm -hmm. the traditional treatment therapies have not been successful. So in each of those, it's about how do we ensure that uh, the money we raise goes directly mm -hmm. to that and all our supporters are aware of where mm -hmm. it's going. They know that no money is being uh, eaten up in administration. And we've been lucky because they, in, in many cases, can physically see it as well right. and that's coming back to infrastructure sometimes infrastructure mm -hmm. is somewhat easier mm -hmm. because uh, an individual understands something which is tangible and that they can see at the outcome mm -hmm. so we talked about different partners we talked about your sponsors maybe yes. government researchers uh, patients did I forget anybody? Is that your sponsors? And also, in particular, I'm interested, how are the patients involved with the work of the foundation? We don't really intrude upon the patient, if yes. I may say that. Yeah. So um, the centres are, are there um, and they're, you know, they might be named the Naloon Cancer Centre and so forth. But we're not there specifically trying to fundraise from the patients. We find that those patients who, and again, I come back to the basis that in most part, it's about public hospital patients yes. that may not necessarily have, you know, lots of money to give. But we find that those patients who are aware or interested will actually approach us right. and say, I have been receiving treatment in your centre mm -hmm. in Randwick or your centre at Darlinghurst, um, and I would like to contribute <laughs> something. Typically, for us, it's more about um, a community that we have, which is mm -hmm. our our employers, our friends, mm -hmm. our colleagues. And, and because what we do is so uh, practical and in some cases so visible, they're very happy to tell their friends. Right. And to say, I've been to a, a particular fundraising event for the Naloon Foundation. It was a great day. We raised this amount of money and it's going towards another patient transportation van or to building a new centre or to helping fund uh, the research fellowship for our dear friend Rebecca Wilson. So I, I think if you start, for, and I keep saying again, we never started with the intention 
of building a foundation, of, you know, raising millions of dollars, of, you know, building things. That was never our intention. Our intention was uh, the hospital approaches to said they needed a little something. Uh, My dear friend, Naloon, uh, could see she firsthand she was you know she was a cancer patient at the hospital she could see the need um, and we literally just set about doing a, a small dinner to raise a bit of money to be able to help that particular service but I, again people's propensity to give is quite extensive if they believe in what they're giving in and I think I mean you only have to see what happened during the bushfires here in Australia where people's propensity to give to these communities that were being devastated by bushfires, it was just a shining example of how people will give if they understand, believe in what's happening and believe that what they're giving is going to go to a meaningful outcome. Now, of course, you then have to deliver on that because what you yes. can't have happen is people give millions of dollars like has happened in some circumstances and then there's uncertainty mm. of where the money went to. So th- that that ability to be able to very clearly demonstrate where the money has gone to, be able to demonstrate mm. that the money they've given has not been wasted in any way, mm-hmm. they will continue to support. And I think for your young researchers, that that's potentially the, the one thing that they need to hold on to. Yes. That if they believe in it, that they can demonstrate that what they're doing is truly meaningful, that if people believe that, then they will support. Right. Right. I, it is, I mean, two words that come to mind when I are listening to you one is relationship and one is trust. And it seems a lot of your work is based on the trust that you place in other projects and people in giving back for their support. Correct. We, uh, our supporters trust that the projects that we are funding are right. Our supporters can see and we communicate what the outcome is, Um, and then they actually see the outcome. Now, with research, that's a little harder. Yes. Because the outcome is incremental steps, and that's where it's still important that if a researcher is being funded in some way, their ability to still be able to communicate, even if it's the small wins. Right. The small steps, it doesn't have to be the huge breakthrough, but if the researchers can honestly uh, impart their enthusiasm of what they've been able to achieve. Now, I understand more than anyone that you can fund something and there might be no outcome. Yes, yes. In particular in research, or you might expect A and you get Z. Correct. And all you can do is just be truthful with the people who have helped you and to say that you've done this, you didn't quite get that outcome, you thought you'd get A, you've got B, but then they've just got to be able to show, okay, how is that important? Because it's it's probably important even knowing 
that doing these things didn't get you to A, it got you to B. Yes. Uh, how does that fit in the bigger piece of the puzzle? Right. I, I just genuinely feel for, for young researchers or for researchers who um, are trying to to get their their name forward and be funded in some way. I think they do need they they do need a champion. They do need somebody mm-hmm. who is going to believe, trust, or support them. Whether that's an institute, mm-hmm. whether that's a um, the medical facility, or whether that's actually a person, that's okay. But they prob- they need somebody who's going to be their champion, and then they just need to be able to communicate right. what they're trying to achieve, why they're trying to achieve it, and any successes, and communicate the failures as well. And it, it's always very um, extraordinary to see researchers share their passion and f- and to see them share or find, discuss, communicate with someone who shares the same passion, and the excitement excitement just builds up. Yeah, correct. And and again, I come back to the beginning, particularly for people who are not from that world. Right. uh, It's it's another language. Um, It's it's another level of thinking. uh, And and generally, ordinary people are just seeking how how can we help? uh, What outcomes? And I have to say, if you look at cancer research. The billions, the billions mm-hmm. upon billions that have gone into cancer research over decades, mm-hmm. you would think that we would have got somewhere. Yes, yes. <laughs> but typically the treatments yes. are, are not dissimilar to what they were 20 yes. years ago. You either chop a tumour out or you give it yeah. radiation or you pump some drugs into a body. Um so you, you sort of look at it and you think, oh, gosh, where is the end to this? Yes. But maybe there is no end and maybe it's just incremental little steps to make to make a patient more comfortable, to give a little bit longer, to help understand a bit more. Maybe it's just incremental steps that we should be striving for rather than, you know, cracking the code and all yes. those sorts of statements that you hear there's a question i ask sometimes and often because i often get a very interesting response um so i'll ask you um if you had a magic wand what would you do what would you fix what is is there a problem you can't solve that keeps you up at night what what would you do i i look at and i'm sure there is collaboration i i'm sure there is but i look at all these different laboratories in different countries and different people and from the outside it appears all these silos yes collaborating at some point or, or going to medical conferences or something but if you could just somehow say rather than all of that how do you bring all of that together so that there isn't a it isn't drug companies competing. It isn't. It isn't you know competitiveness amongst researchers. It isn't this one doing something over here, but then they're only going to share it at this point. It's how do you strip all of that away, 
and just make it one big mega brain yes. trying to solve whatever the problem is, if it's motor neuron disease or if it's cancer, if it's diabetes or whatever the problem is, if there's just this somehow this one mind and this everybody working together for that, uh, surely that would surely that would bring us a better outcome than potentially what we've got now. Maybe the last question. The, as I said before, the foundation has been um, uh, exists since 20 years. What are the expectations now? What um, uh, is the Nilun Foundation going to be here for another 20 years? Is you is there more pressure on you? Luckily, because we are not again because we're not a foundation with overheads, we don't have that pressure. Right. Um, we will exist for as long as we can help deliver patient outcomes. Mm -hmm. If there is a need uh, that we can help with that is a practical, immediate patient outcome need, um, we will be there to do that. Um, how long that goes on, again, mm -hmm. it never started with the intention of being here for 20 years and... Uh, we hope it will last for as long as there is a requirement for right. it to be. And I just pray for the day that you actually don't need yes. foundations to do these things, that people will just do it themselves or the communities come together to make sure that the services that are truly required are funded accordingly. It would be great to um, one day be able to say, there's no need to improve cancer care anymore. <laughs> There'll be something else, and that that's perfect. Yes, but yes. to your point, the, the in that cancer space, I mean, it's not even about curing. But if we can get to the point that we can uh, we can live with cancer, like we live with other diseases in our life, and that we're able to uh, support people to have, you know, a meaningful and lives uh, with cancer, then I think that's as much as any human being can ask for at the moment. Great. Anna, thank you very much. I know you're very busy, but I really appreciate the fact that you've taken some time to talk with me, and I'm sure our listeners uh, will, will appreciate that as well. Thank you very much for your time, Anna. Thank you, Rob, and, thank, and good luck with your endeavours. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Research for What. To connect and find more information about this episode, check out researchforwhat.com. Until next week. Research for What.